ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? I hope everybody's doing extremely well. I know we're all going through a challenging time, but I think this is a great opportunity, perhaps one of the greatest opportunities that has existed in recent memory to start paying attention. Start paying attention to what in your life is going really well. Start paying attention to what in your life maybe isn't going so well. And don't think of this situation as something that's going to break you. Think of it as something that's going to make you stronger. And many people are speaking of this reality that businesses are closing and relationships are ending. And there's a lot of things going on that are going to elicit struggle, adaptation, and change. And maybe I encourage you to think about this reality that maybe it's not creating problems. Maybe it's just revealing problems, especially in business and relationship. And one of the main targets we should all be creating in our life is how do we make a relationship that's anti-fragile? How do we make a business that's anti-fragile? What does that mean? It means as we are subjected to adversity, we get stronger, we get better, and we're adapted to challenge. And this is the necessity of the human race is, you know, the strongest doesn't always survive. The most adaptable to change is what survives. And that's a quote from Charles Darwin. So be adaptable, right? Be like water, adapt and grow, and we will all be strong on the other side. Now, today's guest, Chris Gethin, one of the strongest, most adaptable human beings I've ever come across. Chris has been a successful bodybuilder. He's been an extremely successful editor of one of the top magazines and one of the top websites on the entire planet. Chris has also transitioned to doing Ironman triathlons and now ultra endurance triathlons. Chris is one of the guys who I have been friends with for a long time and yet still find inspiration in his words and his actions daily. He's one who literally takes action massively in his life. Chris is someone to aspire to as far as his physical feats. And now he's taking all those incredible abilities and that work ethic and directing into business and inspiring people just like you and I. I'm super grateful to have Chris back on the show. Chris, as I said, has become a very good friend and is just an awesome human with a great perspective. And there's a lot to be garnered here from his wisdom on how he shifts from one goal to the next, how he never takes his eye off of moving objectively in the direction of his goal. I talk about this a lot in the podcast, especially of late, objective versus subjective living. If you have an objective, you have a target, you move toward it, distractions fade away. If you're subjectively living, you're meandering through life like a squirrel chasing a nut. So I implore you today in this challenging time, sit down, create a goal, spend time thinking about how you can make your life more anti-fragile, your business more anti-fragile, and your body more anti-fragile. You should be adapted to situations like this, as should I. And I think this is the greatest awareness and eye-opening opportunity that exists for every one of us. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast with Chris Geffen. We have a new sponsor to this podcast today, and I'm super excited. And I intentionally reached out to this company because I thought it would be a really useful addition to our repertoire. Billings Seafood is a company that you guys may have heard me talk about in the past. They've never been a sponsor of the podcast, but I've been directly ordering from Billings personally for... Oh, probably a year and a half. They send me the highest quality Alaskan seafood. And I reached out to the owner, John. We've created a relationship. We've had a great relationship for a while. He's an amazing guy. And he, because of this challenging time, has offered to give us all a discount on his new box of the month offer. So John has curated a box that's meant for our listeners. And it's a combination of uh, wild Alaskan salmon wild Alaskan rockfish. It's got some shrimp and some crab in there. And the quality of this food is second to none. And the reason I bring this stuff up, guys, is because it's so important for us to acknowledge that during this time, there may very well be a scenario where we can't access the highest quality food at the grocery. Like the last thing I want to be doing right now is ultimately sacrificing my quality of life. And maybe it's possible, right? Or maybe it's necessary. But Anytime we can get an amazing company like this providing really high quality fish, meat, I think we should jump on it. So you can head over to wildalaskanseafoodbox.com, wildalaskanseafoodbox.com slash Ben, 
and use a discount code Ben and you'll get $20 off your first order. That is a monthly box. And this is the type of thing where I literally get three boxes shipped to my house. A box for me lasts, it's about five pounds. So it lasts honestly about a week, week to 10 days. So if you're someone who knows you have a high meat consumption, one, you're getting an amazing deal because you're getting effectively 20% off your order. And if you're consuming a lot of meat, you're getting a great deal in the highest quality meat. So if this is interesting to you, I highly suggest you go check out John's awesome offer to us, wildalaskanseafoodbox.com slash Ben. And he's going to hook us up with a free half pound of scallops in every order for life, which is pretty awesome because you guys are awesome. Guys, I hope you enjoy the podcast with Chris Gethin. I hope you're staying well. I hope you're staying positive. I hope you're getting daily sunshine. I hope you're getting daily movement and using this opportunity to become more mindful, become more present and make the greatest version of yourself. It blows my mind that people are sitting around right now, and I know it's not you, complaining about the fact that the gym is closed. See it as an opportunity. I guarantee you there's three to 10 exercises you could be doing right now that you can get better and better and better at. Is it going to be heavy? No. How do we create challenge? Time. Challenge time. Challenge frequency. Do things often. Get out of your comfort zone. The worst thing you can be in life is comfortable going to the gym. Find a way to challenge your body at home, in your yard, with your family, Find a way to make it a community-based thing. I've been absolutely loving the amount of engagement going on in the Muslim intelligence community lately. We've almost doubled our members in the last month. Ashley and I have been giving away a lot of amazing stuff, including some of this building seafood. If you guys are interested in getting in there and taking advantage of one of the giveaways, we've been giving away Bub's natural gift pack. We've been giving away a Blue Box gift pack. We're giving away a Belcampo gift pack and now a Wild Alaskan Seafood Box for one lucky person who subscribes to this podcast and gets into the Muscle Intelligence Facebook group. Anyways, guys, sorry for the long intro. I hope you enjoy the podcast with Chris Gethin. Have an amazing day in a body that you absolutely love. Chris Gethin, it's an absolute honor and privilege to have you back on the podcast, man. You're one of the guys who I watch from the external and I don't know if I want to say idolize and envy, but all of those are true. And I think you're doing an amazing job with yourself, your life, and most importantly to me, your integrity and your values, man. So I'm so grateful to call you a friend and grateful to have you back on the podcast. It's an absolute honor to be back on the show and for you to give me that introduction, mate, because I think the exact same about you. You know, we obviously both come from a bodybuilding background and what we've been venturing into and uh, optimizing our health to help others has just been phenomenal to see your evolution as well, mate. So thank you. Thanks, man. I think as a bodybuilder, we learned a lot about ourselves. We learned a lot about discipline and about character and integrity. And now taking all those life skills and habits and, and teaching people like, hey, here's all the mistakes we made and here's all the things we've done well. And now how do we become aware of applying that into extending life, extending vitality and extending quality rather than just you know being as big as we possibly can? And for both of us as well, excelling in business and relationships and I think that's really ultimately what this demographic that we both speak to is after is how do we just thrive and not have any gaps and just like a bodybuilder, right? If when you, when you have, you're just speaking about prior to the call, when you have this weakness, you're like, gosh, I just don't know what, I just don't know what to do, right? Like for many years, I couldn't build my back. I'm like, man, I worked harder than anybody, but I couldn't do it. And then you get one person that comes along and go, oh, I'll just try this. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, I've never felt that before. And, you know, it just takes that one person to kind of nudge you in the right direction and put your consciousness on one different aspect. And all of a sudden your whole life shifts and the body is a great metaphor for what we do in life now is everyone has blind spots. And for some of us, it's business and some of us, it's physical. And I think you and I do a great job of curating the information and the conversation around here's what you should be paying attention to. That's most important. That's going to move the needle for you, both in fitness and finances and relationship and life ultimately. Exactly. Isn't it amazing how optimal that people can be just from bodybuilding or weight training, because it does create that lifestyle of discipline, sometimes militant discipline, that you can transcend into so many areas of your life. If you're somebody that has problems meditating, well, chances are, if you've come from a bodybuilding background, you're going to have the discipline to continue going through your meditational practices for three months before maybe you get it that first time, because you're used to the long-term progress. If you want to learn love languages and you don't get it straight away, well, chances are, you know, if you're an athlete, you're going to get it eventually. I'll tell you the way I've kind of narrowed it down for myself and for the audience over the last few months. And this is the simplest articulation I can explain. I think it makes a lot of sense is 
objective versus subjective living. As a bodybuilder, we had objectives, right? You know, I wanted to be on the Olympia stage. I wanted to be one of the best bodybuilders in the whole world. And I had this target. So everything I did, every decision I made, every time I went to bed, everything I did was moving me in the direction of that target, of that objective. And I think that's where most people have a hard time accomplishing whatever success means for them in life is there's no objective living, it's subjective living. So you're kind of becoming a victim to the wind, the breeze that blows. Like, oh, I see this over here. It's like a squirrel. My head's over there because it's a shiny red object. And then I'm going to go over here and try to chase a nut. And I think if we can just kind of clarify our objectives and our targets, it's just setting goals, man. It's this idea of when I wake up every day, I have the target to sit down and meditate. And if I have that target, now it's just a matter of doing it, right? And I think that, you know, there's another gap there that you can obviously get into the details. But you know, one of the things that I alluded to in the beginning that I admire about you, man, is you're so objective in everything you do. Like you're finishing one target, and then you're on to the next. And I think there's something really important that needs to be learned there. And I'd love to have you kind of unpack that. Is that something you do consciously or is that something that I almost feel like antsy if I don't have a target? It's uh, something that I do it subconsciously. I've always been the kind of person I would have to read like four books at the same time. I need to learn different things from different objectives to fulfill me. I may not be able to excel at optimizing what I learned from that book, but collectively, maybe I can. So I've always kind of had a little bit of ADD, which serves me well because I don't get the opportunity to get stagnant with something. And I'm a little bit more present when I am taking in whatever I'm trying to learn. And, you know, what I'll try to do is then like a chapter from that book and create like a vision board from it. And I think, you know, what we can do objectively is help a lot of people now who are usually putting together vision boards for that house, for that materialistic possession, for that career, to have a vision board for their health, because that's where the focus needs to be in order for them to get that materialistic possession that is just an add-on to their lifeline. You go from such polar extremes, man. I'd love to hear how psychologically you're able to do that. I think that's probably one issue that a lot of people have is like, I'm sure you're familiar with this, having clients, if you've had clients in a long time, but you have clients Monday to Friday, they want to build muscle. And then come Friday, like Friday morning or Friday afternoon, they're like, oh man, I got to be ripped for the weekend. Like that's an exaggerated case, but there's so many people who, I want to build muscle, I want to build muscle. Oh, I'm getting fat. I have to pull back. So how do you keep yourself in alignment and on target for these targets? A lot of it is prioritizing sacrifice before success. So, you know, it's like a lot of people, they'll prioritize their pre-workout and go to the gym and try to lift as hard as they can, where I'm always thinking of my recovery. Because if I prioritize my recovery, that will dictate my performance mentally and physically. So I always think about the sacrifice, not just short term, but long term. I'll create that goal. Maybe, you know, it is a form of a vision board. But, you know, a lot of the time it's journaling in the morning. If I'm not writing it down, I'm mentally articulating it to myself. When you get the doubts, when you get the excuse, when it comes the weekend and you're out of your schedule, like I don't sleep in on weekends. A lot of people sleep in. I don't do that because... You know, some people would think of the weekend as spelt with a W-E-A-K-E-N. I don't. It's another day. I don't know why we came up with the concept of day six and day seven. I understand from a religious standpoint, but for people that are trying to obtain goals that they're frustrated with, I just think of a Saturday as a Monday. It's the same thing. And of course, I do have balance in my life. It's not that militant, but I will psychologically prepare myself for that balance because, okay, if I'm going to take time off, I'm putting the phone down. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not half in. I'm always in or I'm always out, you know, so the foot is on the gas or off. It's kind of like Groundhog Day, right? Like it's either leg day or it's chest day. It's not usually <laughs> yeah. Tuesday or Saturday, right? Exactly. Uh, That's the bodybuilder's calendar. We should write one and get one put out there. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be great. And That's awesome. Now, one thing that I think I'd love perspective from you on is you have some people, I actually got a message yesterday from somebody who said, man, you know, when I was younger, I had a really easy time setting goals. I was so motivated. I was, you know, I wanted to be shredded and a lot of these things were externally motivated. So you know, I was wanting to acquire the girl. I wanted to, you know, make the money and now I've got the girl and I've got the money. How do I get myself as motivated? And I think you're someone who can speak to that because you've had the bodybuilding body, you've done the triathlons, you're making cash, you've got a great relationship. Do you have any advice for people who are having a hard time getting that same level of motivation as the idea of the lion with his belly full is never as hungry as the one who's been starving for a few days? And so once your belly is full, once you've got a relative sense of quote unquote comfort in your life, Give me advice for people to keep going and striving after those massive objectives. Yeah, well, you just highlighted one of the things. It was too much comfort. 
This may sound a little bit superficial, and it may not have a direct correlation, but it has an indirect correlation. And that is getting comfortable being uncomfortable, practicing certain things and doing things that you don't want to do. So I'm sure you know that I have a cold shower every single day. I have an ice bath three to five days a week. Now, this isn't just because of the health benefits to it or the anti-inflammatory or toning my vagal nerve or anything like that. It's because it gets me used to being militant and doing things that I don't want to do and being hard and kill. Because then that can have a transcendence effect into so many other areas of your life that you're trying to attain your goals from. This may sound extreme, but for instance, when the Christmas decorations go up, they go up at a certain date in uh, December and they come out by January 1st. They're off, you know, and you see people that have their decorations up for weeks and weeks after. And as weird as it may sound, I just think that if you let one thing slip, then what else do you let slip? As I said, you do not hit that snooze button. You wake up in the morning. I don't care if you're tired and you only had three hours sleep. Then the next night, you probably will have a better night's sleep because you'll be so tired. So it's just these little aspects that I like to do and get my clients, okay, you're not going to switch on your phone for the first hour when you wake up and you're going to switch it off for at least an hour before you go to bed because I don't want you to be a distraction and I don't want you to do things that you always want to do that's going to give you that serotonin fix. It's just little things like that that add up to the bigger picture. It's brilliant. I don't usually say it on the podcast because it's a little bit not politically correct, but my clients in person or the people at the gym, it's always like, hey, man, you spend so much time building your body. You need to spend more time building your balls. And I think, sorry, ladies, I don't want to offend anybody, but just a metaphor for your fortitude, right? This idea of like, you need to be resilient. You need to be disciplined. You need to be strong. Because most people, as you know, absolutely have the ability to build the body of their dream. They absolutely have the ability to build the business of their dreams or have the relationship of their dreams or the life of their dreams, but they don't do it because they don't have the discipline. They don't follow through. They just don't have the fortitude, man, to do the work, to go through the discomfort that's necessary to do it. You know, a guy who I met recently, and I'll say his name when I'm done the story, but you know, I met this guy and I figured this guy was kind of born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Good looking guy. His parents are very successful. And he goes, man, maybe I won't say his, but I'll tell you what he did. He said, man, when I arrived, when I thought I had arrived, meaning like I got this tenure that everyone thought would be just spectacular. He said, for the next five years, I slept in the office. He's like, I didn't leave. I didn't have a home because I was so committed to not accepting this as being, I've accomplished something, I've arrived. I literally didn't go home because I wanted to be so committed at being the best in the world. And I'm like, man, you and I are going to get along forever. And that's the kind of mentality that people don't see that, you know, they see a guy like you and, you know, I don't know exactly what happened in your past and how you struggled, man, but I know you did just like I did. And everyone who has achieved a great level of success has done something extreme to go through the pain, go through the discomfort and smile at the end of the rainbow or at the top of the mountain. Yeah, for sure. It's funny, isn't it? Because you're a parent, I'm not a parent, but you know, I'm sure that you want to give your kids everything that they ask for or want. You want to please them. You know, a kid asks for a sweet, you're going to give them candy which is the opposite, I believe, that should happen. It didn't happen to me. I had to work for everything. If I wanted a car as a kid or my first motorbike, I had to go out there and get jobs in order to get that. At that time, I was so frustrated with my father. You know, He didn't have money. <laughs> he didn't have money right. to purchase these things, but I didn't know that as a kid. But now, in retrospect, I'm so happy that I was so disciplined because it's created a discipline in, in order for me to go out and not expect to be handed anything on the silver spoon. But it's really funny because my mom did the same thing. And at the time, I thought she was just mean, but I'd be like, hey, mom, can I? No. Hey, mom, can I? No. <laughs> like, you need to do it on your own. Can I borrow the car? Can I have $5? Can you help me? No, I can't. Do it yourself. Yeah, at the time, it was like, she doesn't want to help me. She doesn't love me. And that's the story you tell yourself. But looking back at it, you're like, whether or not it was conscious of her or not is completely irrelevant. It's just that that's what made me, at the time I was seven years old, stick two middle fingers to the world and go, fuck you, I can do it myself. And that attitude has both served me and also been a challenge in some aspects of life because sometimes you're taking on more than you can and not putting a lot of trust in other people. But I think that attitude is important to realize you can and therefore maybe you must. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I know a lot of my online clients probably think, why isn't this person doing more for me? As a coach, he should be doing this. But I won't because I want them to figure out so much for themselves. If that person said, hey, okay, if I'm eating this much protein and carbs and fats during a day, how many calories is that? I'm not going to tell them how many calories that is. That's what they're going to have to work out themselves. I want them to be able to take these tools. And then after three, six months, they can go out and work on themselves unless they need the accountability. 
for sure. You know, we should be giving them the tools for them to apply and then just evolve. Yeah. So I'm taking an online course about learning how to be a better coach. And it basically says you never give people advice. You ask them better questions. And to me, that's what a coach is, is I'm here to almost like steer the ship to maybe be the lighthouse in the storm where it's like, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I'm going to ask you a question. So you come to this own realization yourself. Because I think the worst thing you can do in life is give someone advice because ultimately you don't know them. They need to come to their own conclusion themselves. And, and oftentimes advice is seldom heated, right? It's just this thing where oh, yeah, I hear it and then keep going about their business. Whereas if they come to the realization and the decision themselves, they're way more likely to take action. And I'm really starting to build that into my coaching programs. And I do a lot of mentorship rather than physique coaching. And I think that's the big thing is people have blind spots. And because you have so much experience and I have so much experience having made a ton of mistakes and done a lot of dumb shit, it allows us to offer perspective. Yeah, for sure. Like if you think about your early bodybuilding career, if someone just told you, do this, do that, do that, how long would you have been a bodybuilder for? Probably not that long because you would have given up interest because you didn't understand why you're doing something. But the more mistakes that you made, the more questions that you asked, the more you applied it yourself, the more you actually learned. And then you continue to have that motivation to continue to learn from those mistakes and evolve. That's exactly it, man. I say that all the time. And you would understand this again is, you know, there's bodybuilders out there who are way more genetically blessed than I ever was. And they didn't succeed as much as I did. And they certainly haven't thrived and flourished as much after their career because, you know, when something comes easy to you, you're kind of like, oh, I don't have to work as hard. I don't have to think as hard. Like, man, like yourself, I struggled. I had to grind every day for every pound of muscle that I got, every ounce of fat that I lost. I was grinding. And that at the time was the curse, like, or at least so you think. You're like, oh gosh, I have to work so much harder than everybody else. But looking back at it, that was the blessing that I had. This realization that the bodybuilder that I became stepping on stage at the Olympia was absolutely irrelevant. It was all the grinding that contributed the process up to that day that really made us great, man. And I want you to kind of segue into your shift from bodybuilding into long distance stuff. Cause that for most people is a massive fear. Like how did you possibly do the things you did with the body weight you did? I just want you to kind of go into the mental struggle a little bit and how you were able to persist. Yeah. Well, to begin with, it all comes down to the mental fortitude, isn't it? You know, if you see something as an impossibility, it likely is. And I just saw this as being a possibility. So it would likely become a possibility that come to fruition. So I've always done some form of cardio every single day, a lot of the time twice a day, not because I needed to, it was because it's, it's therapeutic for me. I like activity, like I'm speaking to you right now while I'm on my treadmill desk. I like to move. I get antsy. I find it hard to sit through a full movie in one go. And so I'd get a lot of my peers telling me that you shouldn't do cardio every day. You should be like a static ornament and consume your calories and store them. And a lot of my clients would question me as well. So that's why I decided I'm going to go from one extreme to the next and do my first Ironman triathlon within six months. And it was a half Ironman within four, just to show that you can actually do this without training necessarily like a triathlete, but more so like a combination of a hybrid athlete that you can do both. And you know, little did I know that I've become addicted to it and then continue to compete in more Ironman triathlons and ultramarathon and stuff like that because I've become addicted to being outside and enjoying the fresh air, getting the sunlight and utilizing that as my active meditation because it just made me feel better as opposed to being just stuck on like a Stairmaster or a treadmill the entire time. And, uh, you know, that's something that I try to encourage to a lot of people because the majority of the people that I look after are uncompetitive bodybuilders. You know, they're people that just want to be in good shape. They want to look more like a bodybuilder, you know, like me, as opposed to one extreme like you, Ben. And they want to continue to move as well. So it's like, well, you don't have to give up one for the other because there's a lot of people that got into bodybuilding and said, yeah, I used to run half marathons or marathons, but I gave it up because I started bodybuilding and vice versa. I've encouraged a lot of endurance athletes to get into strength training as well, because I think they can both complement each other. But I'd say the mental discipline was very, very difficult to begin with because us as bodybuilders, we usually go into the gym and go, all right, I'm going to go all out for 40, 45 minutes. It's going to be intense. I'm going to make these reps count and not just count them. Whereas now I had to think, okay, I'm going to go out for this six-hour bike ride that's going to be like 100 miles. How do I pace myself? How do I slow myself down? How do I put myself from a complete sympathetic nervous state to a parasympathetic nervous state and control my breathing and start focusing on nasal breathing and things like that? So that was very difficult to begin with because I did hit a wall 
several times because I was going too hard. I wasn't taking into consideration the wind flow or the temperature and how much food I had on board and all that sort of stuff. So it was a lot of trial and error in the beginning, but it's something that's become addictive since. And I just absolutely love it. It's become a part of me. Sure. But that's how you learn, right? You get to that wall and that's the beauty of it, man. And I speak about that oftentimes with respect to bodybuilding is the reason I'm such a good teacher at it. And I'll toot my horn is because I've pushed my body farther than 99.9% of humans ever will or can. And that's where you start to learn what you're made of and also what tends to happen in that scenario. Like your mind starts to break. Okay, well, your mind starts to break. Now here's how you overcome it. It can you know, say with 100% certainty, you got back on that bike. And the next time you said, hey, the next time this happens, here's how I mitigate this risk or here's how I overcome this obstacle. Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that's great about plugging yourself into the community is that you'll see so many people participating in these events with disabilities. And that just gives you so much motivation to think, wow, if this person can do it, I can at least be half of that person and continue to pursue when it's hurting, when it's hard, when you don't want to, you know? And, you know, we can look to extreme people like David Goggins, even though we may not want to put ourselves in harm's way in order to complete what he does, we can take a piece of that and apply it and give us the tenacity to continue to pursue. Did you ever, in those times, when it comes down to like, you set out to do a six hour bike ride or an extensive run, is there ever a moment where you think about stopping? Only when you hit flexes or season up and stuff like that. But mentally, no, I really, really enjoyed it. I loved the training. Absolutely loved it. Because I you know, wake up super early on a Saturday because I wanted to get out while it's still dark so I could be back by midday and still enjoy the success of that morning. You know, I didn't want to just finish at night and go to bed because I'm too buzzed now. I enjoyed it. I loved it. I achieved it. I crossed the Oregon border and come back. I absolutely loved it. So there wasn't really any time that I felt like stopping. I'd say when I competed in my first events, panicked a little bit in the swim because I'm getting kicked, I'm getting hit. And it's a long way. 2.3 miles is a long way. But I wear a Kara on my arm, which is like a bracelet that I got from the Golden Temple in India. And, you know, I'll always try to do something like this for charity, you know, to help people, obviously, but selfishly, because it keeps me accountable. And I remember as I'm swimming, I'm watching my right arm with this bracelet on and thinking, this is so much bigger than me. You have to continue. You can do this. You've been put in a position to do so. So things like that can be a good reminder. Like, you know, I'm tattooed up and I have a lot of tattoos on my arms that says face fear, built to endure what the world throws at me, part animal, part machine. So all of these are little reminders not to soften because I will become fragile when I'm a little bit older. So I need to ensure that I don't succumb to becoming fragile whilst I'm able. There's so much wisdom in that. And I think that mentality right there sums up success. It's like someone once said to me, the energy you have in this exact moment, you'll never get it back. So you better utilize it. You may get new energy that's being produced, but in this exact instant, all the energy that exists in your body, use it because it's the only opportunity that you'll ever have. And I think that perspective for me really allowed me to push through all those hard times where you're like, can I do this? Of course I can. Can I take one more step? And I'd love for you to break down if you have any mantras that you talk to yourself about or like how you get through those challenging times, both you know when you're running, maybe it's in the gym or even in, in business, man. I mean, I'm sure business at this point is like almost easy because it's not the mental challenge, I'm guessing, that your physical endeavors are. Well, no, I don't think it does get easier because it's like when you're training in the gym, the more conditioned that you get, the stronger you get, the more you push yourself, don't you? Yeah, uh, for sure. So I think it's the same within business and with everything else. You're always striving for more, but you know you have to have a healthy mindset to say it's not because there's a void. It's because you just want more achievements. I think of the people in the retirement villages, old people's home, and I spent time with them. I was actually at the military reserve here on Thanksgiving and handing out food to these people, these war veterans that have amazing stories. After talking to them, I was thinking, I don't think there's anybody here that has regret. You know, they have so many awesome stories and adventure that they have in their mind. And I think we should all strive for that. When we get to the end of our lives, we don't want our life to just flash before us within a couple of seconds. We want it to take minutes, if not hours. And those people have achieved that. And I just think that's what we need to continue to do. Be present, but have this stack of achievements that we can put in this long laundry list of a calendar, if you will, that just shows, okay, we did that. We managed to do that. Because if I'd slept in or come up with excuse or allowed doubt and weakness, talk to me, I wouldn't have done those things. 
So whenever you have those moments, I always think to myself, will my future self regret this or not? Okay, if you'll regret it, keep going, keep going. You can do this. You know, so I always think, is this going to harm my future or heal it? It's the same if I look at food. We all get cravings. You know, I look at food. Is this going to heal my future or harm it? It's going to harm it. Okay, I'm not having it. Brilliant. So every time I walk in the gym, the largest signature on my wall and the largest slogan is Mr. Chris Geffen saying, face fear. How do you feel fear, Chris? So this is a little more esoteric question for you. Maybe you don't feel fear anymore. Maybe at one time you did. I'd love to just have you kind of discuss what does fear feel like to you? And when you feel it, what do you do? Wow, that's a good question. That's a good question. I feel this, Ben. Never feel it. It's just part of what you do. You just keep going, right? Yeah, There's yeah. no hesitation. Yeah, exactly. So I'd say fear to me, you know, at this point as well, as I'm getting a little bit older, I'm thinking, wow, I'm going to lose relevance. You know, I'm stepping away, obviously, from bodybuilding, going into a little bit more biohacking, health optimization, how much my demographic are really interested in that, as opposed to just building bigger biceps. Am I going to lose this relevance, you know? And I think that's just an insecurity that I've had as a bodybuilder that got me into bodybuilding in the first place. I was a smaller person. It's an insecurity. I raced motocross before that, and I had relevance, and I've always wanted to continue to have some sort of relevance, because if I don't, I can't help as many people. I can't help myself because I love helping people, you know, obviously to change people's perspective, but I love that because it helps me. It keeps me on point. It keeps me accountable because life would be a white knuckle ride for me otherwise. So, you know, I'd say the biggest form is, and it may sound vanity driven, but it really isn't. It's deeper than that. Is losing relevance. So whenever I feel like I don't want to do something on that particular day or if I'm getting frustrated, I'm thinking, okay, you need to continue because you have to have that relevance. And I'm not saying that I need more likes. That's not the case. It's just more depth. So I'm not trying to put my branches out further. I'm just trying to put in my roots deeper. And it's funny because you and I talk the same language using different words. It's the way I frame it to myself is effectively the same, except it's when I sit at the proverbial table, when I'm invited by my mentors to the proverbial table, what do I bring to the table? And the only thing you bring to the table is your experiences, right? Theory is effectively worth nothing, but experiences and practice is worth everything. And you know, when you go to this table with eight to 10 people who are my idols and mentors and people who I want to provide massive amounts of value in their life. And when I sit at that dinner table that they've invited me to, because I provide so much value to them, what is it that I'm providing at that table? And that is very similar to what you're saying with this relevance thing. Cause it's not about, Hey, I would need to have more Instagram followers. Like I just couldn't care less. What I want to do is the people that I am close with, the people that are listening to this podcast, people that are in my community, how can I provide so much value that anytime they leave an encounter with me, they're like, holy shit, that was awesome. I really appreciated that. That helped me get further along where I want to go. And, and that means having a diverse skill set, always practicing what you preach, having a great attitude, looking great, feeling great, bringing a positive energy to any encounter, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and have this long list of things that I want to contribute to that proverbial table. I'm going to steal that if you don't mind, Ben. Oh, please do, man. I absolutely love that visual. I was just thinking, who would be around my table? What would I provide? That was a scary thought. So that's really put the fire under my butt for sure. Yeah. So one example being, you know, one guy who's been at my table since 2006 was Tony Robbins. And, you know, I have access to Tony Robbins now where I could call him and get him on the podcast, but I won't. I refuse to do it because I want him to call me. And that's how you frame that, right? It's like, who are these people? Maybe I know them, maybe I don't, maybe they're alive, maybe they're not. What would I have to do to make them reach out to me and go, hey, you're the best at this. And I need help with that. I need you to come to me now and teach me this or provide value in this way. And that's how I frame my approach to that table. And even if it's walking into, you know, Chris, like you're doing now, a gym in India and having 50 people there who, you know, you're able to change their life. You're providing so much value. You need to have that consideration too. It's like, you know, I just want to provide the most value I can to every single person that I meet, especially these ultra high level mentors and idols that you aspire to be more like. And one of them is Dr. Wayne Dyer, who's unfortunately passed away. But I mean, he was one of the greatest influences on my early evolution. I'm like, okay, what would I have to do to have Wayne Dyer personally call me up? Unfortunately, it won't happen, but personally call me up and say, Ben, you're doing such a wonderful job in this. I would love to have you come and talk to my team, talk to my demographic, talk to me about this. And, you know, at this point, it's completely impossible, obviously, but I can still live from a place of creating those skills, attributes, characteristics, and habits that allow me to thrive in that direction. 
Yeah. Do you know what? I think, again, I keep facing this back to your bodybuilding career. I think that's where it came from to begin with, because, you know, as a professional athlete and reaching the status that you did, I'm sure you didn't go out there just begging for sponsorship. It's like, no, if I actually go out there and create the physique that I aspire to have, then sponsors will come to me, you know, and that's how it would have happened, I'm sure. So you're a supplement owner, you're a company owner of a supplement company. Let me ask you this. How many athletes have walked into your office and said, Chris, I'm going to create value for you. This is how I'm going to create value for you. This is how I'm going to make you money. This is how I quantified it. Here are the numbers. Has anyone ever done that? Never. I hate to say it because there could be some listening, but no, that's not but happened. Dude, fuck. Well, maybe they should and they get off their ass. So every time I walked into a negotiation for the supplement company, I didn't go in there expecting them to give me an offer. I went in there and gave them an offer. And I was like, listen, here's what I'm going to do for your company. Here's how I'm going to help you grow. Here's the number of email subscribers I have. Here's how many people open my email lists. Here's how many customers I have. Here's how directly I talk to people on a day-to-day basis. And here's exactly how I'm going to make you money. Here's how much I'm going to make you every month. And here's how much I want to be paid for it. Are you open to this? And if you're giving them a 5X ROI or a 10X ROI or even a 3X ROI, no business owner in the world would say no. Tell me if I'm wrong. That's very, very powerful. And it's refreshing to hear. I'm sure there aren't many people that do that, but you know that just shows a testament of the success that you've achieved and you continue to achieve because that's the kind of person that you are. You want to give more value than what people are actually paying for. And of course, who wouldn't take that up? When I signed with SciTech, you know, all the athletes that were with SciTech, you know the names, all the people that were with SciTech at the same time I was, I was making more than all of them by quite a lot. And that was not because I was a better bodybuilder, but because I went into that meeting and I said, hey, here's what I'm going to do for you. And they're like, oh, wow, like we didn't even know we could do this. And I'm just like, okay, well, so I spent days researching. I spent, you know, days creating a plan and a strategy. And I went in there and I made significantly more than everybody else. Like I said, don't say it to brag. I say it to say because I went in proactively. And I tell this to other bodybuilders, man. I'm like, so when you walk into a potential sponsorship, don't walk in there with your hand out, right? Walk in there offering something of tremendous value and don't expect anything in return. Walk in there and go, hey man, here's what I'm gonna do for your business. Let me prove to you I can do this for your business. And then when I prove it to you, then you could pay me in return. And you know, so if I went in there for that first month and I made them hundred grand in sales, which I've done for a company, not SciTech, a different company, I made them hundred grand in sales in the first month. Is it unreasonable for me to go in and ask for 25,000 a month? And like any business owner in the world would go, fuck no, like you take it, right? Like I'm giving you a hundred thousand of profit and you're going to give me 25% of that. Every business owner in the world would, would take it. And if you can learn to gain the amount of confidence and ultimately create the type of strategies and plans, and the world is your oyster. Exactly. Basically, you are becoming a social platform for an ROI, you know, that some people would spend on like Facebook ads, but again, it's a shot in the dark. You still have to test it for several weeks before you can scale. But that's what you basically are. You're your own social platform in order to provide ROI. And you can do that in so many other areas. And that's the perfect thing in this day and age is that we can scale everything. This is the time of opportunity. And a lot of people let it pass them by, unfortunately, because as you know as well, in a bodybuilding career, it can be very short-lived. However, it could be an extensively long career as well if you play your cards right. It doesn't have to yeah. be just on the stage. And that's another point to add to this as well is like the companies that I worked with were companies that I approached. It wasn't companies that usually approached me because I want a company that I'm in alignment with, right? So I'm going to go to this company and go, hey, I want to work with you and here's what I'm going to do with you, right? And I think that gives you power rather than, you know, if some company comes at me, I get, sure, I have maybe upper hand because they're coming at me, but what if I don't like their products? What if I want to work with them, right? So if I can go to a company, do an assessment in three to five days and go, well, here's where their gaps are and here's how I can fill it in. All of a sudden, I'm massively valued to that company over a long period of time. Whereas if some company comes to you and they say, hey, I'm going to give you this amount of money per month and you underperform, like you talked about prior to this call, that a couple of people underperform for a short amount of time. Well, guess what? You're expendable, right? So it's a very powerful place to come with the world. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, you know, you see it all the time. It's not just within the bodybuilding industry, but people are selling that snake hole and there's a little bit of their soul that they're selling at the same time, because I'm sure again, in the future, when you think to yourself, is this going to heal or harm my future? If it doesn't feel right and it feels that it could harm your future or somebody else's, then step back. Yeah, you and I talk about this a lot, man, is this idea of integrity. And, you know, I've said it in the podcast before. It's, I wouldn't say easy, but it's easy to make money with assholes. I'll say that. Like, it's not a challenge for you to go and be a dick and rip people off and steal and do things that are illegal. But you still have to sleep with yourself at night. And, you know, I always say I can make a lot of money with assholes, but I wouldn't be able to sleep. So I would much rather make 
less money if that's the case with great people with great intentions living from the heart you know i call it just heart-centered business like everything i do is like does this feel good in my heart and if it does then we're going to do it i think you do that man with your business with your integrity with your supplements the things you do like you can say with 100 percent certainty that these are providing value they are what they are and i believe in them whether or not they work for everybody isn't doesn't matter but you know that you're coming at this from a place of good intention absolutely if i'd accepted every offer to open a Chris Gethin gyms, I probably would have 60, 70, 100 gyms by now. But we haven't, you know, we only will partner with people that we know that have integrity. It takes a long time to actually get to know somebody, obviously, you know, you do your background check. And that's why we only have like 10 gyms, because the same thing, you think back to your bodybuilding, you're making the reps count instead of just counting the reps, you know, the amount of reps are useless, if you're not making them count, and it's quality over quantity. So if you consider, for instance, your gym as being an academy of education, that's going to continue to evolve, then you obviously have to have the right partnership and right people in place. Not somebody that's just going to throw cash around, maybe it's black money even, you know, and accept that because greed is only going to end in one way. And that's going to be a harmful realization. Yeah. So with respect to your supplement company, man, you filled some really interesting niches with some of your products. I know you have some slightly more unique products than most companies do. And the reason it is, I think, I mean, you could tell me if I'm wrong, is because it's thought out. Like they're based from what I can see on your experiences and your needs. You're like, hey, when I do this, when I push this, I know I need this. Or their research says when I'm when I'm pushing this system, I need this type of supplements to recover. So tell us about how you kind of came up with the company and then ultimately the products that you've decided were most efficacious. I guess it came from testing in the beginning. Like when I started, I was working as the editor-in-chief of bodybuilding.com and then I kind of got booted in front of the camera and I knew with that responsibility, I had to kind of test some of the supplements that I'd be suggesting. And I was kind of shocked that a lot of the big name players that I was suggesting just came under par with a lot of the tests. A lot of the tests since came out showing amino spiking and all that sort of stuff. So then I started actually just formulating with my own efficacious dosages of ingredients, but knowing that a lot of people at home aren't going to buy raw materials of like beta alanine and pure citrulline and mix that together. So that's when I just spoke to my formulator now, Brian Rand, and another business partner on possibly starting a brand that was made up of organic ingredients and patented ingredients and fermented ingredients that hadn't really been done at that time. And we obviously wanted to go with the natural colors, natural flavor routes and kind of merge the health sector with the sports performance sector. So, you know, obviously things were thawed out. I traveled a lot for about 18 months sourcing a lot of these ingredients, whether they'd be from Bali or India or wherever, to ensure that we had the right ingredients to perform for the right people at the right times. You know, a pre-workout shouldn't be something that motivates you to go to the gym, but a lot of people look for that much stimulation that that's what they think it should do. You know, it should prime you. It should put you in like an anti-catabolic state. It should get you focused for that workout or whatever it may be. So that's kind of the gist that we went to. And it's a slow way of doing things, that's for sure. That's why we don't have a huge line. It takes us about nine months to flavor one of our products because it's naturally flavored. And when you look at the amount of ingredients that's in one of those scoops, it's a lot to disguise and mask and make it tasty. So it takes a lot of resources. It's a little bit more expensive, but you know, I feel good in doing it that I could say to my little niece, hey, Here's a hydrating drink. You can take that and not feel that I'm providing any harm. That's pretty cool, man. I've never really thought about that. It's like, you know, would you feed it to your family, right? And I think if a lot of supplement company owners answer that question, I think we know the answer. And if you wouldn't feed it to yourself or your family, uh, what the hell are you doing? Man? <laughs> Again, maybe feeding it to yourself is a hard thing because most people will kind of anything if they think they'll feel better or feel different or get them out of some negative state that they don't want to experience. But I think feeding it to your children and your family would be a really good acid test. Yeah, it's always good to use family as accountability, isn't it? You know, if you're talking to a client and say, well, if you're not going to do it for yourself, do it for your kids. And then all of a sudden the light switch goes off. And it's the same with that, I'd say, you know, are you going to feed this to your child? Or you think that that's probably best not to, then you're in the wrong business. Yeah, for sure, man. So what's next for Chris Gethin and your training, man? Where are you right now in your training cycle? In my training cycle, I've actually been putting on a lot of size as of recently. I just wanted to see if I could put on some size at the start of the year and experiment with a carnivore diet at the same time. So I'm like two weeks into my carnivore diet, which I know that you've done that before, Ben. Yeah. Talk to me about it, man. I'd love to hear about it. I'm actually loving it. I'm quite surprised. I thought, wow, this is easy. I didn't have the diarrhea that I know a few people had. So uh, I know that I do have an iron stomach. 
But, you know, I eat a lot of organ meats. I actually enjoy organ meats. It's very easy for me to get like a beef heart or, you know, liver and all sorts of organ meats. So, you know, I'm getting plenty of organ meats in there. I did drop a lot of weight in the beginning, maybe eight pounds. I think that a lot of that was fluid. You know, I have leaned out a little bit from it. But what is quite surprising is that my strength hasn't declined. My performance in the gym hasn't gone down, which I thought it would have with the lack of carbohydrates and glycogen, but I feel feel great. So strength is about the same. How's ability to sustain endurance over time, like as far as volume of work? Well, I'm not going that high in the volume at the moment. I usually go to about 20 repetitions because my extreme is usually 50 repetitions. But with 20 repetitions, actually yesterday when I hit shoulders, I was doing 30 because I was doing drop sets, but it felt absolutely fine. Have I lost a little bit of fullness? Yeah, definitely lost some fullness, but it hasn't affected my performance. You know, when I went keto last year, I was cyclical keto for about eight months. You know, my performance did go down and, you know, I looked much softer. I felt great, felt awesome, but didn't look as good. Uh, that seems to be a happy medium, but again, I'm only two weeks in. Yeah, so one thing that I'll throw out to you, it sounds like you have a very diverse, healthy microbiome. You spend a lot of time outside. Being in Idaho is a very good place to breathe natural air, which is one of the best ways to repopulate your microbiome. But one of the issues that I had when I reintroduced food was that's when the GI distress came on was because your body kind of shuts down or the microbiome starts to shift. And usually they suggest it takes six months to completely shift. But if you're on a carnivore diet for any longer than a few months, your microbiome will absolutely shift and your ability to break down certain foods will change. So that's when I started to see the GI problem, not when I shifted into carnivore, surprisingly. Interesting. Well, I was only planning on doing this for four weeks. So I don't know if my microbiome would have shifted too much. But what I'll do is make a conscious decision just to only very slowly reintroduce certain foods. Anyway, I'm not a huge carb eater anyway. So to introduce it slowly should be quite easy. Very cool, man. That's awesome. And how is the supplement company doing, man? Caged Muscle is a company that's been around for almost three, four years now, isn't it? I've been five years now. Five years. End of 2015. And now you've got this really loyal group of customers and followers, and you're serving them so well. What's in the pipeline for Caged? Are you coming out with new products, or are you just trying to grow the current demographic you have? Yeah, so we've just released a stim-free, so it's a caffeine-free pre-workout. So we just released that, a new flavor of our hydrating drink, HydroCharge. It does take us a long time to come out with flavors. So that's like a new product for us because we naturally flavor everything. But you know, further from that, now we will be releasing a multivitamin. And this is going to be completely organic, naturally grown multivitamin that will have efficacious dosages needed for an athletic individual. And we also have a plant-based protein that we'll have coming out towards the end of the year as well that we've been working on because we have spent so much time testing that because we don't want to have that chalkiness or the texture that people assume that is accompanied with plant-based protein. And of- Are you testing for heavy metals as well? Definitely. That is on the top of the list because I know I'm not going to name any names, but you know of a lot of plant-based proteins that have come out tested very high in heavy metals. So we ensure that all of our products are adherent to the Prop 65 Act. Is this one harder to ensure that it's low in heavy metals? For sure. Definitely. And that's why it's just taking that much longer because, wow, it is really hard to get the certain types of proteins, whether it be from pea, whether it be from pumpkin or quinoa, to ensure that it is low in heavy metals. So difficult, Ben. So that does take time. But you know, we're not in Me Too brand. If we come out with another product that's going to have heavy metals or it's just going to be the same as another product, then we're not going to come out with it. I love Vitago. Vitago is a great carbohydrate powder. So we're not going to come out with one of those, you know? So it's the same sort of thing. We are looking into a bar at the moment, like a whole meal bar, as opposed to like just a regular protein bar. Again, with very, very minimal ingredients just to keep it very basic and wholesome. Again, let your PT and kids. Yes, it always be the acid test, right? And I think food is one of those things that almost ubiquitously is never going to go away. If you provide a great tasting bar that's got great ingredients and great nutrients, you're going to succeed with that. And I think a lot of people have proven that. They've been a lot of really successful bar companies in the last couple of years, man. But Chris, I know you're on a timeline today, man. So I will not ask you any more questions, unfortunately, man. I'd love to keep you on for a few more hours because I always love having a great conversation with you. Where should our listeners go to pick up Cage and hear more from yourself? Yeah, so they can come and find me on my Instagram. It's K-R-I-S. 
and last name is Gethin, G-E-T-H-I-N. And you know what? You can find pretty much everything that you want from me there on that Instagram handle. Man, and like I said, keep inspiring us. You inspire me literally daily because, you know, there's a lot of athletes out there who talk and very few who take action. You're definitely one who takes action, man. So thank you very much. And again, as always, I'm super grateful for you being here. Hey, thank you very much. Absolutely honored to be on your show. It's a great, great show, by the way. I'm an avid listener. That's a wrap, ladies and gents. Hopefully you enjoyed my conversation with Chris. As I said, a hugely inspirational guy doing things that maybe you don't want to do. Maybe you think you can't do. And I always encourage you to question that belief. But at very least, he's setting the standard for us. He's letting us know what's possible. Running triathlons at 230 pounds plus is not normal. And that's why he does it. And that's why he's an amazing, inspirational human, a great friend of mine. And I highly suggest you guys follow Chris on social. He's one of the few social networks and social channels that I actually enjoy watching for getting real information, non-BS, inspirational talk and actionable items. Um, today's podcast, guys, is brought to you by Wild Alaskan Seafood Box. Our great friend John is hooking us up with $20 off your first order, which equates to about 20%, which is huge off of meat. Head over to wildalaskanseafoodbox.com slash Ben, and you can use discount code Ben, $20 off. And he's going to hook you up with a free half pound bag of scallops in every box that you order for life, which is awesome. Thank you, John. Thank you all for being here. Guys, thank you to Chris for being an amazing guest, an amazing friend. You can also check me out on his podcast coming out very, very soon. Chris and I are going to record for that. So you can hear the exchange of the conversation and the return of the dialogue. I hope you guys are truthfully thriving right now. And I know it's not always easy to keep that perspective, but hopefully we can be a lighthouse in the storm for you. Someone keeping it positive, keeping it real. And there's no doubt I'm struggling too, guys, but I'm taking daily action on every one of the activities that's going to keep me focused and moving forward right? Like a freight train, you're not slowing me down, right? You may throw me off track. You may throw a little kink in my plans. But listen, if I keep the daily activities up, the daily necessities of ultimately keeping my health, keeping my mental focus, keeping my strength, keeping the direction on the objective, you will not be derailed. We can all do this. Let's do this together. Jump into the Muscle Intelligence Facebook group if I can ever help you guys with anything. Thank you so much for being here. Have an amazing day. Live your greatest life in a body that you absolutely love. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Bikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.